Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We are in a series called Running with the Giants. Running with the Giants. We've kind of breaking down Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says this. It says, uh, so uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Really, we get this thought of running with the giants from this concept of, there's, it says, therefore we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. There are people, men and women, giants of the faith that have gone before us and now that are in heaven and they're cheering us on. They're cheering you on. They're saying, we believe in you. You can do this. And, and what we're, they're doing is they're, they're, they're cheering us on. It says, so now since that, let us strip off. Let us let's strip off the things that are slowing us down, that are hindering us, especially the sin. And then he says, and so that we can run the race with endurance. Our Christian walk, our faith is a, is a, is a marathon. It's a race. Oftentimes in the scriptures talked about as an analogy of a race, of how we continue on and we continue on until we see the prize and that is one day heaven. That being said, if we're taking this text of really like if we were running a race and we were running laps, we would say, hey, out of the, uh, out of the crowd, out of the audience, we're pulling down these giants of faith and we're saying, run a lap with us. As you run a lap with us, what's some advice that you would give us? What's something that you would encourage us to do? What is, which, if you look at 2021, how, what would you say about it? What would you tell me to do? What, how would you tell me to believe? And, and so we've been talking about different giants of the faith. And today I want to talk to you about a mighty man named Gideon. His name was Gideon. He was a judge in the scripture. And in fact, he's a mighty man to us. But in the scriptural context of where the, what was happening in the day and age, he was not a mighty man. He was actually an average Joe. You know, we can oftentimes read these scriptures and we see these giant things that they do. And then we say, it's almost like it's too big or it's too great or there's no way we could do things like that. Well, I love Gideon because he thought the same thing. Gideon was in a place in a time period where the Midianites were uh, just, uh, just attacking and, and tormenting the Israelites. For seven years, they, had, they were being tormented. They were going and they were attacking them and they were stealing their crops and they were stealing their livestock all their it's the sheep and the donkeys and the goats the bible says they were taking them all to the point of where all the israelites were starving the bible says the angel of the lord comes and visits gideon and that's where we're going to pick up uh, in the story here in judges chapter 6 and verse 11 it says the angel of the lord came and he sat beneath beneath the great tree of ophrah which belonged to Joash. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now this, in the scriptural context, many of you probably know, is what we would consider a Christophany. A Christophany is when Christ came before he actually came. And so this is a Christophany. The angel of the Lord, this was Christ. He comes and he meets with Gideon. And he says, I want you to know I'm with you. He says, I want you to know you're a mighty hero. Gideon is in a wine press shafting wheat. 
Here's what I believe. If we could ask Gideon one thing, what is it that you would tell us? What is it that you would ask? If there's one thing, there are many things he would say, but there's one thing you would tell us, what do you think that, what would you say that would be? And I believe this. He would say this, God is greater. God is greater than our biggest fears. God is greater than our biggest fears. God is greater, I would say this way, than our greatest fears. And Gideon in this scripture, in this context, you have to understand what he's doing. He was, he was, he was doing something that was not, that not usual. It was very strange. He was in a wine press. Normally, you, and he was shafting wheat. Normally, you'd be shafting wheat on a mountaintop or in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an area with an open field where the wind could come. And I'll explain that in a second. But here's what I believe. He, he wants us to know that God is greater than our greatest fear. I believe this. We're living in a time and a day and an age where fear is running rampant. Fear is running rampant in all different circumstances and all different situations of our lives. And Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says this, Fear not, for I am with you. This is God speaking. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He says, I'll help you. He says, I'll strengthen you. He says, I'll be there. He says, I'll uphold you. He's wanting us to know. He's, but it starts with fear not. All throughout the scripture, God talks about us fearing not or worrying not or don't be afraid. All throughout the scripture is this constant theme of fear not and don't be afraid. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Now this scripture is interesting. Let me explain why this scripture is interesting. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear. It doesn't say God did not give us the feeling of fear. It says God does not give us the spirit of fear. I believe this, I'm gonna get real spiritual on you. Fear is, a spirit, is part of the spiritual enemy and he's trying to attack our lives. Fear is a spirit. I believe it. And here's what I think. I think not only a spirit of fear, I don't think it. It says it right here in the scripture. This is not me talking. Do not give us a spirit of fear. Here's what I know about the spirit of fear. It is addictive. The spirit of fear is addictive. We as a culture have become addicted to fear. We don't like it, but yet we still need more. We still want to know more. We don't want to hear all the bad news, but we want to know more about the bad news. And what happens is fear cripples us from really walking out and living according to God's purpose and plan. Fear is not of God. I'll say it again. Fear is not of God. We are living in a culture that is addicted to fear. And I'm telling you, and this is why I believe some of the things that are happening in our culture, some of the decisions that are being made, it's all based on fear. And again, fear is not of God. And so if we live our lives based out of fear, it'll cause us to live a way that we never thought we would live. Fear is not of God. I believe this. And Gideon in this scripture, believe it or not, again, he was kind of an average Joe, which I love. Gideon is, is in a wine press. He's in a wine press and he's shafting wheat. Some of you may know, some of you may not, but in a wine press, a wine press was not anywhere you would shaft wheat. A wine press, in fact, was a hole in the ground. 
They dug out these big, large holes, and they would, they would do the wine pressing in these large holes. There was no wind. There was no current. Let me explain what would happen with, with shafting wheat. When you shaft wheat, they would throw the shaft in the air, and then what would happen is the stuff that the shaft would fly off, and the grain would fall to the ground. So the wind would help them shaft this wheat. And so here's what Gideon is doing. He's throwing the shaft in the, wheat, in the air, but he's in a hole. There's no wind, there's no breeze. And so that means he's doing something that's completely pointless, and he's doing something that's really not making any sense. In fact, it's kind of confusing. Why would you get to the place in your brain, Gideon, to think that you should throw this stuff in the air and expect something to happen when nothing will? Why? Because there's no wind. You're not doing it in the right place. Oftentimes, this is what fear does to us. Oftentimes, fear gets us to a place where we begin to think a way that we never would think. It begins to get, allow us to make decisions on things that we would never make decisions on. And it causes us to be confused. It's this thought process of being confused and living a life of confusion. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. And what happens is we can get so caught up in fear that we can start to be confused about what's right, what's wrong, what I should do or what I shouldn't do, what I should say or what I shouldn't say, what I should think or I shouldn't think. And this is where Gideon got. He got to the place of where he was so concerned of the fear of the Midianites, he was doing something he never thought he would do. Not only not he thought he would do, but really was not, you never should do because there's no, there's no results, there's no success or no uh, 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 way to really walk this out because it's, no, it's not possible. It's, you don't get it. That being said, what do we want to talk to you today about just for a few, th- few moments on Gideon? I believe he would give us a few thoughts on he would say fear not, and I believe this. He would say this, fear not because God is greater than our current state. Fear not because God is greater than our current state. And when I say our state, I don't mean Florida. I don't mean Florida. You know what I'm saying? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, when we say our state, we're not talking about Florida. Here's what I'm talking about. God is greater than our current state. The state of life that I am in, the circumstances around me, whatever it is that I see, whatever it is that's happening, God is greater than that. And we have to understand this because if we don't, we'll quickly be consumed with fear. Fear will begin to cripple us and it'll begin to cause us to live a way that we never thought we would, just like Gideon does here. Gideon was this. Here's Gideon's current state. Gideon's current state was he was so caught up and the Midianites attacking him. He was so caught up and being, uh, being uh, uh, tormented by them that he, here's what he does. He says, okay, I gotta, get, I gotta make a decision. I gotta figure out something else. Okay, here's what I'll do. I'll go to the wine press and I'll go, and I'll go over here and I'll do this. And it makes no complete, completely no sense. And here's what I know. The spirit of fear will bring confusion on our lives to get us to the place, hear me. It'll get us to the place of where here's what happens. We start to not even know what's right and what's wrong. We'll start to not know what's true and what's false. We'll start to get to the place of where we so consume with confusion that we start to live a way we never thought we would live. And here's what I know. I, I'm telling you, we are living in a day and an age and a time where fear is running rampant. And here's what I, here's what I wrote down. Fear is not a personality. Fear is not a certain type of personality. Fear is a spirit. And here's what I know. We are living in a day and an age where you can find fear anywhere. You can find fear on social networks. You can find fear on TV. You can find fear in movies. You can find fear when you talk to somebody. You can find, there's so much fear. And here's what I know. If we're expecting ourselves to be full of faith, we can't fill ourselves with fear. We cannot fill ourselves with fear and expect 
to be full of faith. Fear and faith do not mix, okay? Let me explain. It's like water and oil. If I fill up a jar with oil and then I try to pour water into that, I can't expect the jar to be filled with water when I filled it up with oil. Does that make sense? That would be what we would consider confusion. I'm doing something, I'm filling myself with something, and then I'm expecting an outcome that has nothing to do with what I'm filling myself with. If I fill myself with fear, with all the thought processes and all the voices, and if I fill myself with this, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna walk out and I'm gonna live in fear. If I get myself around faith, faith-filled women and faith-filled men, if I get around the word and I'm studying the scripture and I turn on worship music and I, I ignore the, and block out all the noise, here's what happens. Then I start to see myself walk out in a life of faith. Oh, well, I just need to know what's going on in culture and like, I just need to know what's happening. And like, if I don't, no, we don't. I'm not saying let's not be compassionate. Yes, let's be compassionate. But we don't need to be filled with all the noise of this world because here's what's happened in our culture. What we have done is we have brought Christianity and we've brought the same things that culture is dealing with. We've brought it into the church and here's what's happened. Now Christians are walking out and living in just as much fear as non-Christians. We are to live different. We are to think different. We are to believe different. Why? Because we know God is greater. If we sink down and look and think of all the things that are happening, here's what happens. We start to uh, minimize God and the problems get bigger. And so then we, because the problems get bigger, our fear gets bigger. And then we become crippled with fear and to the point of where we need it, we need it, we need it, but we can't ever walk out in faith because we're so consumed with fear. Gideon got himself to the place that he was so consumed with fear that he allowed himself to walk and live in a way that was never faith-filled. God is bigger than our current state. Can I encourage you just for a moment? God's bigger. Not only is he bigger, he's greater than. God's greater than COVID. God's greater than any government issues that we may be having or not having. God's greater than any, any military act. God is greater. Here's what I know. You're like, oh, well, what are you saying? You're saying those things don't matter? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, if we get consumed with the concept of fear, of thinking this may happen and this may happen and this is happening, so this happens and this may happen, and we can live in a cycle of fear to the point of where we live a life of confusion and it causes us to walk out and live like God never intended for us to live. We have to fill ourselves with faith. Here's the question I would ask you today. What are you doing personally to fill your life with faith? What are you doing personally? This is the question you should ask yourself at home today, not tomorrow. What are you doing? What am I doing personally to fill myself with faith? Because I know this. We quickly can fill ourselves with fear. All you got to do is put on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? You just got to throw up the Facebook. For y'all younger generation, you don't use Facebook, pull up Instagram or pull up whatever you got to pull up. And it's all over the place. What am I doing to fill myself with faith? Because what I fill myself with is what I'm going to end up walking out with in my life. It's going to overflow out of me in my life. What am I doing to fill myself with faith?
The enemy, I believe this, tries to get us to a place where he causes confusion. And here's what Gideon did. He gets into a wine press by himself. He isolates himself. And I believe this, the enemy tries to use fear to isolate us, to do two things, to isolate us and to divide us. We are living in a time and a day and age where division is just, it's, it's running rampant. We're living in a culture and a society where division is almost celebrated. Choose your side. And you know how I know it's the enemy because it's not one thing. Have y'all noticed that? Like in the last year, have you noticed so, how many things have come up of where it's choose your side? Y'all notice that? It, was, it started with a year ago or so, and there was all this racism stuff. And let me tell you something. If you think racism's okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna stand up here and tell you, racism is complete and utter sin, okay? Racism is not a color problem, it's a sin problem. I'm gonna preach to you for a second. It started with racism, choose your side and choose, well, you gotta do this and you gotta do, and it's, it's division and oh, we can't love one another because we look different than one another. That is completely false. Here's what it started with. It, start, it didn't just start with that, but that's one of the things that was happening is racism. Then we got into where it was the politics and it was like, you gotta choose your side. Who are you voting for? And it was almost like, if you vote for so-and-so, we, uh, uh, you, uh, you voted for, uh, uh, and it was like oh well you okay well we vote for these people and then we're over here and we vote for these people and i can't believe you vote for those people you are so ignorant you are so uneducated oh oh and there's these people over here saying you don't know what you're, and it's this division that's continuing to happen then we got into covid and there's all this division about COVID. We all know it's all this division. It started with mask and unmasking. Some people, believers and other believers think there should be masking, shouldn't be masking. And now it's vaccinations. And now it's become this concept of where it's the vaxxed people and it's the unvaxxed people. Now, here you, here you. And now you may be saying, oh, Jordan, you're, being, uh, uh, you're not being compassionate. And that's not what I'm saying. And here's what I think. Here's what I, here's not what I think. Here's what I believe. That no matter what decisions we make in life, it should not divide us. As Christians, we are to be the ones that are the most united. What has happened is the Christians, the church, looks just as divided as the world. God cannot move in a divided church. God cannot move through a divided people. God is looking for people that will say, we may not agree on everything, totally fine, but let us walk together in unity. Why? Because we know there's a greater purpose out there and the purpose is eternal. It's not on this earth. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And so here's what I want to do. I don't want to be caught up in fear so much that I'm divided. No, I want to be united. Why? Because I know God wants to use us as believers to show others his love. I know it's the enemy. I know it is. Oh my goodness, I know it is. Why? Because the enemy is continually trying to divide. Why? Because it's scriptural. The Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand. If the church can't stand together in unity, it will not stand together when it comes down to when things happen on this earth. God is looking, hear me, hear me, hear me. God is looking for people to say, I understand. God is greater than my current state. 
So whether I'm a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian, none of that matters. Here's what matters. God is greater than every politician on this planet. I believe in this or I don't believe. I believe in being vaxxed. I don't believe in being vaxxed. It doesn't matter. Here's what it matters. God is greater than any vaccination that could ever come out on this planet. Do I, does that mean I say don't get vaccinated? Absolutely not. That is not what I'm saying. Um, does that mean I'm saying go get vaccinated? Absolutely not. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying this. God is greater. God is greater. Don't allow the enemy to create fear in your life to where it causes you to cause, create division and separation and isolation in your life. Why? Because in the end, God's heart is this, that we would be united. Why? Because we're, we're united together. He can use us for his glory. It's the heart of God. Judges chapter 6 and verse 13. It says, pardon me, my Lord. This is Gideon. He's, he's replying to the angel of the Lord. He says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the Lord, with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. I love this. God says, the angel of the Lord comes, Jesus comes and says, hey, I want you to know, I'm rescuing, I'm gonna rescue you from the Midianites. And here's what Gideon's reply is, God, he's abandoned us. How is this possible? He says, pardon me, God, but if the Lord was really with us, why is all this happening? If God is really here and God is really greater, why are all these things happening? God, it doesn't make any sense. God's abandoned us. And I love God's response. God doesn't say, oh, come here. Come here, come here, let me hug you, come here. Come here, come here. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. That's not what God says. In fact, God doesn't even respond to what he's saying. God literally says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Israelites for I am sending you. Oftentimes fear will get us to the place where it causes us to begin to doubt. And I want you to know, this is what I believe Gideon would say, I want you to fear not, because God is greater than our doubt. God is greater than our doubt. The Israelites were so attacked and so tormented by the Midianites that he says, if God was really around, he would be helping us. It gets him to the place where he doubts that God is with him and God is for him. It gets him to the place where he believes, you know what, God's just gonna make us and let us live like this and it's always gonna be like this. And Jesus comes and he says, no, that's not what it is. He wants you to know. I want you to know you should go because I'm sending you. Doubt is an is a, is a, is a interesting thing because we all deal with doubt at times. Every one of us. Every person on this planet deals with doubt at times. Why? Because the enemy tries to come and create doubt in our lives. But here's the interesting thing about a doubt. If we focus on that doubt, if we get consumed with that doubt, it'll get us to the place where we begin to truly believe that God is not with us to truly believe that God is not for us. And that Jesus says it right here. He says, no, that's not the case at all. I want you to go and I want you to know that I'm with you. Here's what I know. If we, if, if, this is what Gideon did. Gideon is looking at his circumstances and he says, all these things have happened. And then God says, no, I want you to know this is what I want you to do. See, Gideon was consumed and focused on his past. 
He was focused on the past circumstances and situation. And here's what God does. God doesn't talk about the past. God says, no, let me tell you about my plan for you. This is exactly what Jesus does for us. We, are, we get so consumed with our, our past. It can cause us to doubt. It can cause us to say, oh, well, you know, I, I did this and I made this mistake and I went here and I did that and I, I, I don't know if I ever could get back to where I want to be with God. I don't know if God could ever accept me and love me like he does so. so. I don't know if I ever could do the things God's called me to do. And we get so consumed with the past and what's happened that we don't realize God has a plan. Your past does not excommunicate, or not excommunicate, your past does not X out God's plan for your life. God's plan is greater than our past. Here's what I know with, 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 with what's happening in this story. Gideon, he's so, he's so caught up in it that he can't even realize that God's trying to use him for something greater than he ever thought possible. God's trying to use him. And here's what happens for us. We can be so caught up in doubt of what's happened or what hasn't happened or what will happen and what does. And we can get so caught up in that that it can get us to the place where we forget that God is trying to use us right where we are. God is trying to use every one of us to be a light to this community. Amen. Whatever your community looks like in your circle of your sphere of this world, God wants to use you to be a light. Don't allow the doubts of things that have happened or are happening that will keep you from really walking out and living the way God wants you to live, and that is to be a light to those around you. In Judges chapter 6, in verse 25, this is a little later in the story, he says, I'm sending you, and then check out what he sends him to do. And many of you know he was sending him to defeat the Midianites, but before he does that, he does something very interesting in verse 25. It says, Judges chapter 6 and verse 25, that, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Oh my goodness, I love this scripture. And I hope you're confused because that would make me feel good about explaining what's happening here. <laughs> he says, the angel of the Lord comes, God comes, and he says, I want you to go. I'm I want you to defeat the Midianites. I want you to go and help change the current state of culture. But before you do that, I need you to go. I need you to go tear down. I need you to go tear down. Baal, I need you to go tear down the Asherah pole. Now let me explain this to you. The Baal was considered the sun god. Asherah was considered a moon goddess. I love this. Everything God does is for a purpose. He says, I want you to go and I want you to know that I'm going to use you. I'm sending you to change, not to complain about, but to change the, cult, the current state of the culture. But before you do that, I need you to go tear down Baal and I need you to go tear down Asherah pole. I need you to go and tear down the God of the sun or the, the expected God of the sun, the false God of the sun, and I need you to go tear down the false God of the moon, the goddess of the moon. Let me explain what this shows. It shows us this. If we really want to change culture, 
Not complain about it, but be used by God to change culture, the current state of where we are. We have to first remove the things in our homes before we ever can remove the things in this culture. We have to be the ones that say, I want to change my home, my heart, before I ever want to go and change anything about this culture. He starts in his father's house, and here's what it is. It's a sun god, a false sun god, and a false moon goddess. Sun god is the god of light. The moon god was the god of darkness. This is so cool. He went to change his home. Hear me. He, went to ch- he had to change things in his home first. He, ch- he goes and he tears down the God of light, the false God of light. This is us in this culture. And again, as we are, as Christians, most of us, probably all of us, we don't have golden statues as idols in our home. We don't have different wooden statues, but here's what we do have. We do have things in our hearts and our homes that have replaced God as number one. And let me explain something. The God of light, God is the God of light. This was the false God of light. I need you to tear down the God that you've replaced with the original authentic God. What in your life, if you really want to see God move and change things in our culture, what in your life have you replaced as God number one? See, here's what happens. We may not have idols, but here's what we have. We can replace God. We reposition things in front of God. See, anything in the wrong position, anyone in the wrong position will never be as effective as if it's in the right position. It'd be like if you had someone that's in finance and your business and you have a financial director and and you say, you know what, you're good at finance. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put you over, instead of finance, I'm gonna put you over uh, the warehouse. And, or you have somebody in the warehouse and you know they're warehouse people. Like, I'm going to I'm take you in the warehouse and I'm going to put you over finances. And they're like, I don't know anything about finances. It's all right, figure it out. Well, bro, like, I hate to tell you, that's not going to be as effective as you could be if you would put the people in the right positions. See, God can still be in a part of our lives and be in the second position, but we will never be as effective as if God is in the right position. See, if we really want to see God move in our lives, if we really want to remove fear in our lives, we have to replace the things in our lives that has become number one. It could be a girlfriend. It could be a boyfriend. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. It could be a car. It could be a boat. It could be finances. It could be a job. What in our lives have we replaced? is God number one, the God of light, because it has to first be torn down before we can ever see God move in our lives. Then I love it, he didn't stop with that. Then he goes over here and he says, I want you to tear down the Asherah pole. The Asherah pole, she was the goddess of darkness, the false god of darkness, and here's what happens. It's like, it's this thought process of, okay, what's replaced the god of light, but then also it's the goddess of darkness. What in our lives, what are the dark areas in our lives that God is wanting us to give to him? Every person in this room, everybody watching online, we have dark areas in our lives, things that maybe nobody knows about, things that we're dealing with in our thought processes. What in your life is that you need to remove? And I love this because he tears down the the things that replace God, but he also tears down and removes the things, the dark places in our lives. And I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. It says in verse 26, it says, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord on, on top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole. I love this. He says, I want you to replace what the position, put God in the right position, put him back where he's supposed to be in number one. Then I want you to remove the dark places in your life. But don't just stop with removing the dark places in your life. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to use that 
I want you to use the very thing in your life that you have struggled with, and I want you to give it to me for glory and honor. See, God wants to not just remove the sin in our lives. He doesn't want to just remove the struggles in our life. He wants us to then use them to bring glory, honor, and worship to him. So many people, we get so caught up in fear of what someone would think if they know what I've done with or what I've struggled with. And here's what happens. It's causing others to not receive the freedom that they could receive. If we would just be bold enough to say, okay, I'm replacing God, but also there's been some dark areas that God has removed. And I want you to know God can do the same thing with you. I'm going to use Use this, God, to give you glory and give you honor. Not just remove it, but to give honor to you. Why? Because there are others out there that want to do the same. Fear of doubt can cause us to get to the place of where we start to reposition God. It can cause us to get to the place where we hide things in our lives. And that's not the God that we serve. God, we serve the desires for us to bring those things to light. Why? Because he loves us, not because he's mad at us, but because he loves us and he desires for us to be free from those things so that we can really live according to his purpose and his plan. Fear. It'll cause you to doubt. And, but God is greater than our doubt. As I close today in Judges chapter 6 and verse 15, it says, pardon me, my Lord. This is Gideon's response again to, I'm sending you. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord said to me, to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as you were fighting against one man. As, and you will, be, you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon here, it's almost like God's trying to convince him that he wants to use him. And Gideon gets to the place where he says, how are you gonna do that? My clan, my tribe, my family, we're the weakest of all families. Not only are we the weakest of all families, I'm the weakest of the weakest family. How are you gonna, how are you gonna do that? And God says, I'm with you. He says, I'm with you. God is greater than our every insecurity in our lives. Every one of us has insecurities. Every one of us has things that we struggle with as far as insecurities go. And here's what happens. We can get us to the place where we can begin to think that we are disqualified or not qualified for the things that God has for us. Since when, can I just talk to you for a second? I'm gonna close, I promise. But here's let me, the question I have. Since when did Christianity become about being qualified? I'll never be qualified. I'll never be qualified to be a son of the creator of the universe. I'll never be qualified enough to stand up and speak of who he is. I'll never be. None of us in this room will ever be qualified enough to receive his grace and his love. But yet, he still chooses to. When did we get to a place in culture and society where we think there's these certain things that we have to do in order to qualify to be who he's called us to be? No, he's created you, he's called you. I love this because God believes in me even when I don't believe in myself. God believes in you. Hear me today. God believes in you even when you don't believe in yourself. And let me tell you something. There's nothing greater than knowing the God of the universe believes in you. Well, you don't know what I've done. 
He believes in you. Oh, well, you don't know where I've come from. He believes in you. Oh, you don't know what, how, how smart or how not smart I am. He believes in you. He is a God in you. Why? Because you, if you've accepted him in your heart and your life, son or a daughter of him and he believes and loves you there's no qualifications there's no interview process there's no applications oh my goodness i hate the application process i get so nervous because on paper i don't look as good as i do right now i don't know why you're laughing i hate the interview process it's just like oh, 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 oh. And here's what happens. You're so, you're so caught up in the interview process. Like, are they going to pick me? Are they going to pick him? Are they going to pick you? And then if you don't get picked, then you wonder why they picked that person and not you. And there can be this more insecurity that happens. I hate the interview process. process. I know it's a part of life, but I hate it. I love that God is not a God that has to interview us. No, all we have to do is call out to him and he says, you're mine. And not only does he say you're mine, he says, I believe in you. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care what you've thought about. I don't care. I believe in you. And I have a greater purpose for you than what you see in your life right now. God's plan is bigger and greater than even in our moment of sin or sickness or disease or frustration or struggle. God's plan is greater. There's no qualifications. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, last scripture, I promise. Peter and John, they're preaching and teaching. And it says right here that when they saw the boldness, the people, the men, the women that had seen the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and common men, it's very nice of them. That they were uneducated. They said that they were talking. They were having conversation. They were preaching. And they, they immediately realized these guys are uneducated. Not only are these guys uneducated, these guys are pretty average. Like there's nothing special about these guys. It says, but they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Why? Because it's not about how much we know. It's not about how good we are. It's not about being the best. Let me tell you something. There will always be somebody more educated. There will be always somebody making more money. There will be always somebody better looking. There will always be someone better. But God is not looking for better. He's looking for people that will say, Jesus, I want to be with you. God is looking for a people that will say, I want to spend time with him. You really want to remove fear in your life? Get with God one-on-one -on -one with nobody around and allow yourself to be with Jesus. And here's what's going to happen. People around you are going to start to notice something's different about this person. Well, they're not very educated and they're kind of common people and they're really not that pretty or that good looking and sorry, that's who I am. But here's what it is. You can tell. I don't care how I look or what I talk about or how I sound or how educated I am. I have been with Jesus. And if you've been with Jesus, here's what people are going to do. They're going to say something's different about that person. If something's different about that person, then here's what I need to know. I need to hear what you got to say. I need to know what you're doing. I need to go to your church. I need to go to your small group. Why? Because I can tell you've been with Jesus. God is
is not a God of qualifications. He is the God that qualified us because of what he has already done. And so all we have to do is say, God, we need you in our life. There's no, there, I'm not going to allow my insecurities to get me to the place where I think I can't be used or I can't be loved. No, God, my insecurities have nothing to do with you because you have come and you have overcame all insecurities so that I could be loved and so that you could believe in me. He believes in you. He believes in you. He believes in you. He believes in you. You may have been a Christian your whole life and you've been struggling your whole life. He believes in you. You may be at a place where you, you've kind of strayed off and you've been so far. He believes in you. You may have been a Christian and gone to church your whole life and you just become mundane. He believes in you. No matter where you are in life, he believes in you. This is the God that we serve. This is why I believe Gideon would say, fear not. Why? Because you're loved. Fear not. Why? Because he believes in you. Fear not. Why? Because he's bigger than our doubts. Fear not. Why? Because he's greater than our culture. No matter what we see on this planet, he's greater than. And so here's what we can do. We can now, instead of fearing, now we can rest and know we serve a God who's greater than all things. Let us be a church. Let us be a church that lives in such a way, not caught up in fear like the culture, but living a life so close to Jesus that people around us are astonished and say, something's different. Not better than, different than. And so because there's something different, they have a joy and a peace and a hope and a love. They're, they're not all caught up in all the drama. What's different? It's because we've been with Jesus. Let us be a church. Oh my goodness, let us be a church that lives the pursuit of being with Jesus. Amen. Can we pray today, Father?